Hi, and welcome to the Human Side of Business podcast. I'm Angie Cabe, CEO and co-founder of Intuity Performance. I'm a performance coach, HR professional, whole person leadership facilitator, and your host. The Human Side of Business podcast is fueled by the genuine curiosity to understand how personal characteristics and skills can be leveraged to drive individual and team performance, tangible outcomes, and ultimately organizational success within business. Each podcast is devoted to sharing knowledge, expanding our learning edges, and exploring the trends in corporate culture towards growing the emotional intelligence of organizations. I'm so glad you're here. Hi there, everyone. I want to introduce to you our podcast guest today, Shelly Phillips. Uh, She is a career brand strategist, a corporate trainer, a speaker, an award-winning international best-selling author uh, of three award-winning books, Get Noticed, Get Hired, When and Don't Delete It, and Culture Secrets, uh, which has recently became an international bestseller. I think it's been a week since that announcement came out. Congratulations, Shelly. She's also the founder and owner of Successfully Ever After, where she exhibits her passion for helping career-minded professionals. So please help me give a warm welcome to Shelly. Thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Likewise, likewise. We were just jamming in the green room, everyone. And there's a lot of interesting things that Shelly has to share with us. Um, So maybe Shelly, just tell us a little bit more about what kind of drove your inspiration to write the book, Culture Secrets? Yeah, so Culture Secrets, I call it the third leg of my stool. So if you look at my books, the When in Doubt, Delete It was kind of about personal success. What can you do to have personal success, find more joy, clarity, happiness, all that in our lives? The second one, um, for several years, about 14 years, I worked on a college campus as a volunteer with sorority women and, and mostly the officers in the organization. And if you don't know, sorority is a lot like a small business. I said they can have budgets that go into the hundreds of thousand dollars. Mm. And you say so you have 18 to 22 year olds managing these kind of budgets. <laughs> so you can imagine the decision making abilities and processes and stuff that we go through. But what was really interesting was that they would they would get ready to graduate. And if they didn't get a job offer in their career field at that moment, And they went and did what I call get by jobs, whether that was, you know, a barista or retail or something until they could get the offer in the field Mm -hmm. that they had been studying for. Mm -hmm. When they finally got it, they were getting offers that were five to eight thousand dollars less than their counterparts who got them right out of college. It was almost like because they were working in something else, it devalued their education. Hmm. And so after I saw that for a couple of years, we really got my background was in journalism and marketing and PR. And so we got very intentional on helping these young professional women create their personal brands. How do I stand out? How do I get noticed? How do I turn the fact that I've had a real job into a benefit for someone who's looking to hire me? And so the second book, Get Noticed, Get Hired, is all about for that young professional, how to create that brand for yourself, how to show up in the interview, how to build a digital presence that gets you noticed for the right reasons and not mm-hmm. the wrong ones. And so, and then finally, this third book, Culture Secrets, is 
Well, now that we're in the workplace, we've got our personal success going on. We've launched the young professional. Well, what kind of environment do I want to be in? Mm. And, you know, I think with everything that happened in the world the last few years, a lot of us, whether you're a young professional or someone that's more seasoned like myself, has really taken the time to really stop and think about what's important to me. What kind of company do I want to work for? What kind of values do I want them to have? How do I want them to treat me? How do Mm -hmm. I want them to invest in me? Mm -hmm. And so Culture Secrets grew from that. It's like, okay, it's like, I've got the personal side taken care of. I've got the younger side taken care of. Now I need this corporate side to be taken care of and what I've been writing and doing. And so Culture Secrets is all about the keys to building a human-centered culture in the workplace. (laughs) Because when your people are taken care of, your business is going to be profitable and thrive as well. Mm -hmm. And where can we find Culture Secrets? Is it on Amazon? It is on Amazon. It should be in any of the major bookseller, retailers, that kind of thing as well. But Amazon's the easiest place to get it. Mm, Amazing. I love this. And it's a really interesting perspective because oftentimes when we're talking about culture, we're speaking to the leaders or the echelon of organizations. And you're adding a really complementary piece into the mix around culture, leadership, and the team members kind of evening that proverbial playing field, right? Because we've seen, you know, two years ago when the pandemic hit, the market flipped to an employee market versus an employer market. And oftentimes I'd speak to other HR professionals and they would be like, yeah, the the job demands are insane in the sense of the first question is, you know, is it remote working? And will you raise my base salary by five grand or 10 grand? So I'm enjoying already the thought process around culture secrets because it's not just about, I mean, it, it plays a factor. I'm not discounting money or geographic space or where, where you're working from, but also setting people up for success to really understand the cultures of workplaces because it, it truly is a two-way street, right? Yes, it really is. and. You know, the thing that's really interesting is that when you do it correctly, both the employee and the companies thrive. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I like to say that culture is the secret sauce to business success. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it what only, you know, like when you build that value culture, it increases your employee morale, it encourages an equitable workplace, and it boosts profits. And when you get your employees involved, no matter the level, you know, culture isn't something that can start at the top and end at the top. It has to be top down and bottom back up. Mm -hmm. And so you need to have these discussions at all levels inside the organization. And if your CEO isn't talking it, there's no reason you as a supervisor or you as a team leader or you as a committee chair cannot start having these smaller conversations and you can impact the culture right around you in your cubicle, in your area, on your team. And then what happens is it begins to spread outward and people Mm -hmm. are like, oh, this team is having a lot of great results. Why are they having better results than this other team is? I want to be part of this one and not that one anymore. So people are going to naturally gravitate towards the people that are doing things right. And by doing them right, where we we are encouraging that engagement, which everybody talks about. They want mm-hmm. that employee engagement because that drives loyalty, that drives retention. And, you know, those are big things that help save money for a company in the end. If you're not having to rehire and retrain all the time, you're keeping your staff engaged, you're keeping them, you know, they're not going to leave for the first dollar or $2 more that somebody offers because you really have planted that seed that, hey, you are contributing to the success of the organization and you matter. Mm-hmm. And what I'm hearing, Shelly, is, that when it comes to culture, it's it's not just about what's written on the walls. It's the actions that follow them up, 
And it's not just something that's individually run or led by, you know, C-suite or leaders, but rather when leadership isn't in the room, what type of culture do we have? What are we working with? And it sounds like, you know, your thought process is we're going to set everyone up for success here. Yeah, you know, I I think people get really confused sometimes between what is culture and what is a mission statement. Mm. They're two totally different things. You know, that mission statement gets put up on the wall. It gets talked about every couple of, you know, maybe every couple of years at an employee meeting or you see it on an annual report or maybe it's on your website. But everybody's like, yeah, whatever. You know, what really happens and where the, the big movement in culture takes place is when you really start defining the core values that your business is going to be known for. Mm-hmm. When you start hiring around those core values and when your employees' values are directly aligned with your company values. Now, they can be a little bit different in the fact that I did a training not too long ago for someone and I asked the group, if you could do anything and it, and it wasn't dependent upon the pay that you were going to get or the money that I was going to do. What would you do with your time? Mm. And I'd say probably 80% of that group um, talked about some kind of service, whether it was to elderly, whether it was, you know, rescue animals, whether it was kids in need, whether it was something like that. So philanthropy and giving back to the community. And while, you know, as you know, while it may not be their particular charity or their particular cause it's mine, they want to work for an organization that's very community minded. Mm. So if you can offer these things that are in alignment with what matters to a person Mm -hmm. and also matters to you as a, you know, a good corporate citizen as well, then, you know, they're going to even have a harder time to talk your people away from you because you're matching them on a human level as well. Something that matters to them, what is is important to them, to their core. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, these are really interesting things. And and when you bring them in that conversation and when you hire based on that, when you're doing your hiring and you make sure that it's a value alignment, not only a skills alignment, but a value alignment as well, then you're going to be really successful at that. Because then what you do is you take those values and you assign behaviors to them. So how are we going to show this as an organization? And then that becomes what we make our decisions based on. Mm -hmm. So the teams that we have, our leadership that we have, our CEO, our boards, everything are going to be using these same references to be making their decisions on. So it's just alignment from top down and from bottom up. Mm -hmm. And then that just keeps everybody focused on the way that we're going to go. And it feels very congruent because we all care about the same things and we all recognize what behaviors that people are expecting from us to be able to do those things with. There's so much to unpack there. (laughs) So much, Shelly. I appreciate your comments because what I'm hearing is if we were to break this down into a formula, when it comes to getting culture right, every organization can do it, provided that they're ensuring their values are tied to their behaviors. And that's something that's echoed. It's an echo chamber across the organization then the decision-making is tied to the behaviors, which tie into the values, which equals culture. And so I I really enjoy where you're going with this. And it totally lights me up. I'm on the exact same page because it's so important for leaders to understand that their fiduciary responsibility isn't just about return on investment or profits of an organization. Again, everybody got to eat. I understand that. But what creates a thriving organization that isn't losing a lot of money or, you know, looking to put out those proverbial fires or, you know, having to deal with pandemic issues, it's really truly comes down to the culture piece. Yeah, you know, you bring up the pandemic, you know, and really trust is the big thing. Mm -hmm. Your employees want to trust that you have their well-being at heart, 
whether that's on a daily workplace or when something globally happens like a pandemic, they want to know that they're going to be taken care of. They want to know that they're going to be considered and they want to trust that there's going to be some kind of reference that we're all going to make these decisions based on. And if you do that based on those values that we were talking about, everybody knows going into every situation, these are the principles that we're going to look at to make sure mm. that we're making the best decision for everyone. Mm. So it could be whether we're expanding into a new line or maybe it is how are we going to deal with a work from home you know, issue while we have the pandemic going on? Or maybe it's going to be, are we bringing in childcare? Or maybe it's a new, you know, um, a, a new health and wellness program that we're going to have at the organization. If you, any of those decisions can fall back under your core value discussion that you're having. Mm -hmm. And when everybody's looking at it from that same piece, everybody understands that, well, if it doesn't fall into this, this, or this, then that's not something that we need to do because it's not in alignment with how we've said we're going to run our business or how we're going to live as employees here. Mm -hmm, definitely. And I'm really interested to understand what were the top three things that really piqued your interest um, as you were doing your research for your book, Culture Secrets? So one thing, when I when I made the decision to write the book, um, I'll give you a little personal history here, is that um, about, I guess it was six, a little over six years ago, I made the decision to leave a company that I had been with for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. We had a leadership change. And what I realized at that point in time in my life, I was over 40, which is not your necessarily your ideal time. You want to be making a job shift because you've got all this time invested. You're like, okay, I know the benefits. I got my, you know, I'm vested in the retirement plan. Mm -hmm. I said, I know all the people here. I've grown up with them basically in the workforce and I know their families. And, and so, but what it really showed me was that one person can't have a major impact on an organization. And in my case, it happened to be a new CEO that came in. And basically, I felt like 20 years of my life was devalued, that I no longer felt like I had a seat at the table or a voice in what was going on. Mm, and that started the whole conversation, though, in my mind of, you know, how impactful can one person be? And, mm -hmm. you know, granted, when it's someone that signs your check, maybe that impact is, you know, exponentially more than what I can have in a cubicle, but I can still impact that person sitting next to me, mm -hmm. or I can still impact the teams that I'm on, or I can mm -hmm. still impact the kind of day that somebody is going to be having. Mm -hmm. So whether you are, you know, the main leader in charge, or maybe you have a team of 20, or maybe you are a division leader, or maybe you're a VP, whatever level you are at the organization, the way you lead and the way you develop culture and the way you invest in your people, I call it personal branding because you're setting that example. It's the way you walk the walk and talk the talk. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what are people going to expect from you? How are they going to be treated? How do they know that they're valued? Mm -hmm. You know, it gets into recognition. It gets into some of these other things. It gets into really listening. And I think that's one of the things that I learned when I was putting together this book is that listening is one of the biggest keys that we can have to success at any point in time in our career, mm -hmm. whether it's cultural building or anything, really, if you mm -hmm. stop and listen to what are the concerns, what are the cares, what are the issues, what maybe isn't being said that you can see in some behaviors that's not coming out in conversation, mm -hmm. or maybe it's fears, you know, if you stop and really listen and you take the time to get to know the people that are involved on a human level, Mm -hmm. They're not just someone that's producing work for you, mm -hmm. um, you know, that you can do so much more. I think one of the favorite things um, 
and oh Lord, I'm going to, I believe it was um, Gary Ridge with WD-40. He's one of the leaders that I interviewed um, for the book. And one of the things that he talked about was that, you know, for years, we paid people for their hands, meaning we paid them for the skills that they brought to the table. But what if we switched that and we paid them for their hearts? Wow. So if they were really invested in the organization, the success of it, the success of their coworkers, mm-hmm. you know, you know, when you have that kind of attitude, mm-hmm. then it leaves work with you too. I mean, just think about how much better our communities would be, how much our families would be, mm-hmm. our friends, because we're leaving feeling like we're valued. And when mm-hmm. we feel valued, we value the other people in our lives and we breathe into them as well. Amazing. Amazing. Loving the anecdotal stories that come behind this as well. And so Shelly, throughout your discovery, what would you say was your biggest learning from a, a leadership set point? You know, I think that culture can look differently across the board. Um, like my culture may not be the same as the culture you create for your business. And that's mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. That every culture is going to uniquely reflect that company, that organization, the founder, the leaders, and the people that are going to be there. And I think that's what makes them really special. What I what I also found was that, you know, I, I call, it, call it in my book, building a value culture, that there are five elements that are consistent across culture building. And in my case, it's vision and values, it's accountability, it's leadership, it's recognizing the uniqueness of your people, and it's the engagement that you create from doing these things and doing them correctly and, and, and really growing that. And so all of the culture leaders that I talked to when I was putting together this book, as you dissect their cultures, they may all call them different things. They may have, you know, fun names for their rollouts or, you know, the, the different things like that. But when you dive into what's making these cultures successful, It's because they have these same elements all the way through them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the other thing that I think is that makes these things really successful is that these leaders are not afraid to get all levels of the organization involved. They understand that this isn't a decision I can make alone for my team, Mm -hmm. that I need feedback and I need input from other people. I need to make sure that I'm recognizing their needs. Um, Mark Allred, he's a recruiter that I talked to um, in the book, and we're talking about now how culture, uh, especially with the younger generation coming into work, is one of the deciding factors. In fact, they'll take a lower paying job for better culture. Mm -hmm. In some cases, then they will, you know, the higher paying offer. And, you know, to me that, you know, I, I, me being a Gen Xer, you know, like it was all about, okay, here's my salary. Here's my benefits. This is going to be good. You know, like I'm checking the box, like I've mm-hmm. done all the things I'm supposed to do. I don't even know that culture was a word I considered back in the day when, when it was, when I was looking for, you know, my first few jobs out of college mm-hmm. and things like that. And, you know, the, the thing that was really interesting to that is that it's starting to, it's also starting to spread through your other generations now. That culture is a key driver. And a lot of that goes back to that impact that we're talking about from the the, the years that we had working from home and remote and people having a chance to reevaluate what is really important to me. Mm-hmm. And I think Mark said it best. He said that, you know, that not every company is going to um, have a You know, they're not going to have ping pong tables. They're not going to have nap rooms. They're not going to have the coffee bar, which isn't really culture anyway. Mm -hmm. But 
that they're going to have to be flexible to be successful. And flexibility is going to look different for each business based on what they're doing and how they're offering mm-hmm. you know, their products and their services. And so, but it's something that leaders are not, that they can't be afraid of. It can't be that thought process that this is the way we've always done it. This is the way we're always going to do it. That there has to be some flexibility now to be able to attract and retain the best and the brightest that we have coming up into the workforce now. Exactly. And and as you're saying that, I'm reflecting on different podcast guests that we've had in the past year. And, and there's a few that really stand out to me as a cultural perspective by way of really showing their action. So one thing that one company did, especially during the pandemic, was they would have kind of like their all hands meeting first thing Monday mornings. And one thing they injected was not just, are you feeling okay? Do you have COVID? But rather, you know, what's going on? How are you showing up to the workplace? And I thought that that was at the time that that was just mind blowing. Um, Because to your point, I'm a Gen Wire, but the same sort of thing was coming up. Culture was just coming into play. And, you know, it was still kind of do as I say, you know, not mm-hmm. as I do type stereotype typically or or painting with a broad brush for most organizations. Um, it's really now that culture is being called to action because to your point and layering in here, Shelly, is that, you know, we have had a lot of time to sit back and think like, what do I really want to spend my time on? And is this worth it? All this to say, going back to that example, the organization, one individual came in um, to their uh, team's meeting and she had said, look, my daughter is um, lactose intolerant, got into a bit of, of chocolate or dairy the night before, didn't sleep, we're puking. So if I sound off, it's because of that's what's going on. And I was astounded by that story. I won't lie, Shelly, because I could not imagine telling my boss, sorry, more than likely going to be a little bit jumpy or cranky today because I didn't sleep. Like, that wasn't a thing back then. And I think it's absolutely amazing because it's really about showing up as our intentional selves and mm-hmm. understanding that performance isn't a hockey stick scale. It's it's rather more like a bumpy graph line <laughs> that goes up mm-hmm. and down, right? And another organization that I thought was amazing, they took a totally different approach. It was, they had the layered in around the types of meetings that they were doing with their team members were very intentional. So it had a blend of operations, performance, and individual performance. So what is it that you like to do? And this particular company had a bucket list. So instead of like employee tenure bonuses or pins or clocks, they had certain budget limits where those monies, depending on how long you were with the company, could go towards your bucket list. And they made it really personal. It wasn't one size that fits all. Another organization, um, they were in the tech space. And they really created a healthy workplace environment based on the smartwatches that all the team members were were wearing. And so it created an organizational culture of communication around how are we showing up health-wise and talking about things like sleep numbers and heart rates and, you know, steps burned, but not from a, I don't want to say from a, uh, you know, place of competition or, you know, over striving for health, but rather just a a commonality that they had in the workplace was the feel that they had, for sure. Yeah, you know, humans, 
want to be connected to each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, like we're made that way, you know, so, you know, I look at culture as, as really relationship building. And so whoever your team leader is or whoever your supervisor is, the first step to having great culture is having that great relationship between them and your other coworkers. So, you know, as, as, if you know, me, if I take my team, like if I'm getting to know them personally, finding out what matters to them, what's going on in their life, you know, because we bring those experiences to work mm -hmm. with us, you know, I mean, like you, you can't help it. I mean, we're, it's just the way we're wired and we're <laughs> going to bring whatever emotion we have that day with us. And if we had a bad weekend at home, we're going to probably have a bad Monday at work because, mm -hmm. or either we're just super excited to be away from it one or the other. So it's going to go one way or the other. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the other thing that that does is that if if I'm in tune with my people, I also understand, you know, that that what's the phrase, meaningful work. That, mm -hmm. you know, that that are we doing meaningful work? But the thing is that meaningful work to me may look something totally different to you. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, understanding that you know, maybe I'm very promotion driven. Like I want to know how do I get to that next level? What do I need to do to be able to take that next step? What do I need to do to, you know, set myself up for, you know, continued success all the way up to whatever level mm -hmm. for someone else. It may be, you know, my meaningful work is, is I enjoy what I'm doing every day. You know, I get a new challenge every now and then, but I don't really want the responsibility of supervision and whatever else. I want to make my paycheck go home and have time to do what I want to do with my family. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I want to be able to have money and be able to use my vacation time without being interrupted with text and emails from what's happening at the office. So meaningful work can look differently to different people. And, you know, that goes back to that leadership and understanding your people piece of this culture building is that it's almost like you build many cultures with each of your team members and everything inside because you know how they they want to be treated. You know mm -hmm. what their what their buttons are, what matters to them, mm -hmm. what doesn't matter to them, and you treat them accordingly. So their evaluations are planned that way. Their feedback sessions are planned that way. They're, you know, like you're helping them achieve what matters to them. And isn't that the ultimate goal that we all want to supervise? and leaders is that I'm helping someone else achieve their version of success. Mm, amazing. That's powerful, Shelly. And what's coming up for me as you're, as you're speaking to that note or that thought process is how do we help le leaders understand and act upon the responsibility that their words are powerful and they had to understand that they are the culture for their team members. Yeah, you know, it's one of the things that I think you have to do some work personally on yourself first. And that's mm. like, you know, we talked about having core values for the company. You've got to know what your core values are as a leader as well. And, you know, when you have a very clear vision of these are the things that matter to me, or this is what I'm going to be to my people. Then we go back to that personal branding piece that we were talking about earlier is how I show up, how I talk to them, how mm. I emulate what I want them to see and what want them to feel. And then how open am I at to having those feedback sessions that we're talking about? Because that's one of the things that's really key today, I think, in, in creating cultures is that the newer generations coming in really value that feedback. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times I think, especially this um, Gen Z that's coming in right now where, you know, like they, everybody says, oh, they're they're all about some Instagram moments and some, you know, it's all text and they can't communicate with people. But what you're really seeing when you do the research is that they're very open, open to mentoring. Mm -hmm. 
but not necessarily mentoring about the job. They're being mentored as people, like what mm. matters? How do I develop leadership skills, how, professional development along with personal development? And so if you can tap into that as somebody that has a team, you know, we, we all have these multi-generational teams now because that's the way our workplace works or looks. Definitely. And so, you know, like if you can tap into that and maybe, you know, maybe you partner your baby boomer with your Gen Z for something and let them let, you know, let your baby boomer talk about the history of why things are. But then you have your Gen Z who's offering, hey, let me help get you more tech savvy by doing some of these things where mm -hmm. they feel valued and they feel that their skills are appreciated. But then your other your ex other extreme in the organization is feeling like their historical perspective, they're being connected to as a human, they're being able to share knowledge, which is something that's important to that generation mm -hmm. is also happening. It makes you, I think, as a leader, you have to become very strategic and you have to really understand how your team is built, who's on it and what matters to them. And so when you get clear on yourself and then you get clear on who you have on your team and you put those together, then I think you have a winning combination for a leader in an organization. Amazingly put. I, I really like your thought process around, it's all about understanding who's on your team, who you are as a leader. And I think what I'm reading between the lines is how do you adapt for the people around you? Because it's not one size fits all anymore when it comes to leadership. Yeah, just like we were talking about flexibility in, in the yeah. workplace, like the hours that you work or whatever, you have to become flexible as a leader as well to know that my leadership style may have to change based on who I am mm. leading at that moment or that time, mm. you know. Um, not saying, you know, like it doesn't change you at the core. Like I said, your core values are going to be what they are because that's, I mean, you, those are part of our DNA. We can't really change those. What matters to us? Like if it's honesty, integrity, all those kind of things that we want mm. to show up with, mm. but how we show them to each person and the behaviors that we're going to exhibit to make sure that they see that side of us may have to be different from person to person. Mm -hmm. Definitely. hundred percent. And the other thing that was coming up for me as you were speaking, Shelley, is when you're, when you're thinking about our listeners that are the employees or maybe they're mid-management, what would you say to them that you've discovered based on research to ensure that they understand themselves and what's the right word I'm looking for? Almost having self-empowerment, right? Because oftentimes to your point, we are looking for validation, which is healthy. It's a human nature connection, et cetera. However, I feel that there's a stronger need for us as individuals to look at internal validation, not from a place of narcissism, like there has to be a healthy balance, of course. Um, but oftentimes what I guess what really hit home is the sentence where you said one person can really impact you. Yeah. And, and that being the leader, right? And it's very much true based on their uneducated or subjective opinions of their team members when they hear a snippet or don't even understand the full picture. Mm -hmm. How can we help distill confidence and put professionals on the right path to really have a, a, a good balance or a healthy balance of what they're seeking from external validation to internal validation? So the first thing I tell everybody to keep in mind is that leadership isn't a title. So it's not dependent upon what title that you have in the workplace. Mm. You can be a leader if you're a customer service rep, whether you're a lead or not. You can be one, whether you're a janitor, you can be a leader, whether you're a VP. Mm -hmm. And some VPs aren't leaders mm -hmm. because leadership to me is more of a characteristic. And so um, 
you know, like you can have a boss or, you know, what this goes back to that whole question. What is a boss and what is a leader? You know, a be, a, a boss is, is a job title and a leader is a set of characteristics mm-hmm. that you're going to live and you're going to put out there. So in my mind, anyone can be a leader. And, you know, one of the things talking about self-assessment, I think that's always a great place to start is if you want to, you know, and it takes a little bravery, which I applaud people for being brave about doing some of these things, because sometimes we get an answer back that, oh, that's not what I thought I was doing, mm. or that's not how I thought it was being taken. Mm. But, you know, one of the things that I say that you can do is like pick three of your coworkers and ask them for the first five words that come to mind when they think of you or first five skills that you do really well, mm. or, you know, and this doesn't have to be a positive or a negative. Just see if they align with what you think your top five are. You know, someone else may see you in a different light and it could be a very great light. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it. You you know, talking about that self-reflection piece, you might see something that, oh, I didn't realize people, you know, that is something I really enjoy Mm. doing, but I've never really thought that as a skill or something. Mm. It may be something I want to really investigate a little bit more because people appreciate that I'm doing that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or it may be something that you're like, oh, well, maybe I need to tone that down a bit. I didn't realize it was coming (laughs) You know, I, I tend to like, I have to work on my face sometimes because sometimes it gives me away what I'm thinking. And so it's like, it's like that. You may be saying something, but your face is saying something different. So, um, I might've heard that before in my life. And so, 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 you know, there's this, that's something small and simple that you can do that gives you a place of self-reflection to start. Mm. And then, you know, I think the next piece of that is to have the confidence in that you can make that impact. Mm-hmm. You know, I think sometimes we sit in our, sit in our desk or, and we're sitting here thinking like, oh, I'm just going to be quiet. It's not going to matter. I can't change anything. Well, you know, if you start with the person next to you. And then you begin building that relationship and you go, okay, my encounters with them are going to be this, this, and this from now on. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, that's going to rub off on them eventually. And Mm -hmm. then you spread to the next one or you spread Mm -hmm. to the next committee that you're put on or you spread to that. And so you can really begin taking those things that matter to you and start pushing them externally out from the desk that you sit at every day. And then you really do become that example of what leadership really is. You know, I'm driving towards a set of behaviors and a set of values that really matter to me that I think are going to make the workplace that much better and that much stronger. And I want you to be on board with me and let's do this together. Mm -hmm. I think that's amazing. You know, coming back to what's the top three or top five words or characteristics that come top of mind, you know, it's almost doing your own organic 360. 360. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think that's amazing. I haven't thought about it from that perspective and it's simple and it's not costly. Um, you know, it's ensuring that you're doing it in a trusted work environment, of course, or trusted space. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but also honest and truant. Right. And yeah. The- Sorry, go ahead. As we say, as we say, you know that you know the people who are going to tell you like it is. You know, like we, we all know those people at work. Like, okay, I need your, I, I need you to be honest with me. What is, you know, like what you know, like, and they're going to do it out of a place of love. They're not going to do it out of a place of, of discontent or, or you know, hurtfulness. They're going to be like, are you sure? And you're like, yep, tell me. And then you know, they're going to tell you. And so you know, and and I think you know. We, we need those people in our life. And, and like really I said, do. they may tell you something that you didn't even realize was a skill that you had that's showing up, mm-hmm. you know? And so, if, you know, it was funny, like when someone told me, well, you're not just a writer anymore, you're an author. And I'm like, 
well, that just sounds so weird. Like, what do you mean? Like, what's the difference? And like, you know, and then it was like that powerful moment when I'm like, yeah. well, I mean, I've been writing all my life. I remember writing as a kid and I loved writing and telling stories and doing these kind of things. But then to be able to put it into some kind of form that was impactful to more people and like it was able to get the message out to to a larger audience, that to me became the author. Like, okay, now it's something, this, <laughs> this has impact, you know, and this has, you know, I don't know what the difference was between a writer and an author, but when somebody said it to me that way, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, wow, yeah, you're right. This mm-hmm. I need to I need to really dive into that and I need to live into that moment that, you know, what I'm doing can have impact and and it it does mean something to somebody else other than me. And and you know, the same thing in the workplace is that, you know, maybe you're a great relationship builder. People go to you because they need or a connector. Maybe you have, you're good at putting the right people together in the right circumstances. Mm -hmm. And that may just be something that comes natural to you because Mm -hmm. of the way you engage and you talk to different people. And you may never thought of that as a skill that could be very valuable to you in your career. Mm -hmm. But someone else can say, hey, you're great at putting the right people together for the right jobs or the right projects. And then it becomes, oh, well, yeah, this is something I need to really live into and own up to that. Hey, this is a skill I have and we need to talk about this in my evaluations and my personal development that we're having. Like, how can I use that to con- you know, continue my growth? Mm-hmm. So. I think that's amazing. It, and it really is empowering to professionals and leaders alike to understand that we have our own accountability for growth. And there's many different avenues that we can take this. It doesn't have to be on a quarterly basis or as prescribed by an organization. Um, It really can be a two-way street and a continuous journey um, based on your individual needs and or efforts. Amazing. The other thing you can do is like, you know, get on your boss's calendar. Like it may not be evaluation time, but you know, if you want to, if you want to know where you stand and what's going on, just, Hey, you got 15 minutes. We can talk. What, you like, what are some things that you think would be valuable for me to be working on right now? Or Mm -hmm. maybe you have some ideas of things that you're interested in, in seeing and trying and doing and like, you know, just show up with them. You know, I, I, I think, you know, people are surprised when people take initiative these days, like, you know, and so like, if you show up with a one that's like, Hey, I really want to, I want to make a difference. I want to, you know, I, how can I help your day get better? How can I take something off your plate? How can I, you know, make our team stronger? You know, like then, you know, then you really become that person for that supervisor or that boss or whatever, like, Hey, this, I know they're willing to go that extra mile. They're interested in making things work the way they're supposed to work. So, I mean, who are they going to turn to then when opportunity arise, they're going to turn to you because you've set the stage as someone who is really interested in doing things that make things successful. Amazing. Amazing. I know that I could pick your brain all day, Shelly. I really appreciate your time today. Let us know what's the easiest way to track you down or get connected with you. So uh, super easy to get me on my website, which is ChellyPhillips.com, or I'm on LinkedIn all the time. Feel free to connect with me there. I post, you know, pretty much all the stuff, my blogs and all that kind of stuff show up there. And that, and, and I love to engage with people. So please feel free to leave comments and I'll talk right back to you. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Take good care. Thanks for listening to the Human Side of Business podcast. I'm glad you could join us. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to stay updated with our latest content, make sure to visit our website. The link can be found in the episode description where you can subscribe to the podcast, sign up for our newsletter and learn more about our whole person leadership services. Sounds interesting. 
Explore the Whole Person Leadership Cohort by Intuity Performance, a unique program that offers unparalleled support to managers on every step of their leadership journey. Our program features evidence-based assessments, workbooks, group coaching, and interactive learning experiences to help you level up your leadership skills. Reach out today to apply to one of our upcoming cohorts. Until next time, take care and stay curious.